Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. If you will, please, let's turn to 1 John. Take out your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4 today. Uh, We're going to be continuing our study through this epistle, through 1 John. So I want you to start getting very familiar with it. Uh, Throughout the week, I would like for you to read 1 John and kind of get an understanding, get an idea, be a little bit familiar with the Scripture, and then uh, we're going to jump in. Today we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And we're really just going to be talking a little bit about fellowship today, fellowship in the church. Now, in these four verses, there's probably a dozen different ways that you could go and different topics you could uh, expound on. Uh, but today I just wanted to speak on the, on the topic of fellowship. And the reason I want to do that is because look, look in verse number 4. Look in verse 4, 1 John chapter 1, verse 4. I'm going to back up in just a moment and read all of it. But verse 4 says, We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And in order for us to have true, genuine joy, we've got to understand what true fellowship is. And uh, so we're going to try to expound that today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for our time today. And thank you for your word. And just pray that you would give us understanding, give us clarity of thought. And And uh, God, help us, Lord, to understand what your teachings are here in this passage of Scripture today. May the Word of God transform us from the inside out. May it it convict. The Word says that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. God, it just cuts going and coming. And and God, I just pray that you would reveal areas in our life that we need to uh, either, one, repent and ask for forgiveness of, or areas that we're excelling in and we need to keep doing it, or... Uh, especially in the area of fellowship, give us understanding of what true Christian fellowship really is all about so that our joy may be full, so that we can live a joyful Christian life. We ask your blessings on your word today. We ask your blessings on our time together. We invite you to meet with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's look in verse number 1. The Scripture says this, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, What we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed. And we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. And what we have seen and heard we also declare to you. Get this. So that you may have fellowship along with us. Now what John is saying, if you do not have a relationship with Christ, then there's no fellowship there, okay? He's saying, I am declaring what I have seen and what I have heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Today I want to talk to you briefly this morning, and we're going to look at five different areas about fellowship. But today I want to talk to you about fellowship in the body of Christ, fellowship in the church. 
And there's five different areas that we need to pay attention to in order to have this fellowship so that our joy may be full. And I think that's what John is alluding to here in this passage of Scripture. Now, you may say, well, preacher, I think we're all one anyway. I mean, we're all unified in Christ. That is true positionally. As far as our position in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are one. As far as our position, we are in unity positionally. But not always in practice. Are you with me? As far as what God sees when He looks over the portals of heaven, He either sees us in Adam, in our sins, or He sees us in Christ Jesus, in His Son. He really only sees us one of two ways, right? Now, he knows who we are personally, and he, he understands what's going on in our life. The Scripture says the very hairs of your head are numbered. I understand all that. But positionally, he sees us positioned in Adam, in our sins, or he sees us positioned in Christ. So you may look at that and say, well, we are one. Well, not necessarily, because I want to make the argument just because you are one in position doesn't necessarily mean that you are one in practice. Are you with me? Say amen or oh me, but stay with me here, okay? So I want to try to unpack that idea and that thought process here for just a moment. As a matter of fact, you remember in John chapter 17, when Jesus prayed in John 17, 21, he said, Father, I pray that they may be one. Now, a few questions here. When Jesus prayed to the Father that they may be one. Who, who are the they? Talk to me. Who are the they? Everybody in the world? No, right. Believers. Future believers that... Listen, Jesus has already prayed for you that you would be one, right? That they, the church, that the believers, those who trust in Christ, that they would be one. Now, positionally, we are one. So I almost think here a little bit that Jesus was praying about our practice. I almost think he was praying that we would be one, not only positionally, but practically and even in our daily practice of living out our Christian life. Now, the word fellowship, there's a lot of different synonyms that you could use for that word, but I want to try to give you a few here of what this word really means. In the Greek, it's the Greek word koinonia, okay? And in fellowship, it just simply means communion. It, it means commonness. To have these things in common, it means communion one with another. And it means communication. I'll add intimate communication. I mean, it's understanding what some of our shortcomings are and our hard places in life are and sharing our, our victories and our sorrows and laughing together and crying together and just having this relationship one with another. Now, in order to do that and have that, in order to have this fellowship, there's actually five different areas that we need to focus on. But before I get to that, let me just say this. Fellowship is communion with each other centered around the person of Jesus Christ. Fellowship is commonness one with another centered around the person of Jesus Christ. Fellowship is intimate communication one with another centered positionally around the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, you realize that God has designed every single one of us with this longing in our heart to have fellowship one with another? Listen, whether you're saved or not, whether you know Christ or not, everybody has this void in their heart and in their life that they need to share life with someone. God did not create any of us 
to live an isolated life, just me and my world and nobody else. God hasn't created us that way. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, it says, It is not good for man to what? Be alone, right? It's not good for man to be alone. Man was not made to be isolated. People were made and created and designed to have fellowship one with another. Positionally, yes, in Jesus, but that's not enough. Also in practice, right? In our daily living, one with another, we need to have that fellowship. So the church, I want you to understand, the church is a fellowship. The church is the body of Christ. When believers come together and they're one in position, then they're coming together and they're practicing this commonality, they're practicing this fellowship one with another. That's why over the door of our church, you'll see it says Victory Church. It's even on our trailer. It says Victory Church. But underneath there, there's a tagline. What is the tagline? A free will Baptist, but the key word is fellowship. Because that's what we need to be doing. We positionally, we are one. But in practice, we need to have this fellowship. So the church is a fellowship. The church, listen, the church is not a building where you just walk in, you sit down, you listen, and you walk out alone. That's not the church. That's not fellowship, right? Now, you could walk in and be one, have tremendous unity, and be of one accord positionally, and then walk out completely alone, and you've missed, I think, the whole, some of the whole purpose of the gospel is to be able to have someone to share life with and practice this fellowship one with another. Someone has said, and here's a quote I found, I want to read it to you. Someone has said that the neighborhood bar is possibly the best counterfeit there is to fellowship, to the fellowship that Christ wants to give his church. It's an imitation dispensing liquor instead of grace, escape rather than reality, but it is a a permissive accepting and inclusive fellowship. It is unshockable. It's democratic. You can tell people secrets and they usually don't tell others or even want to. The bar flourishes not because people are alcoholics, but because God has put into the human heart the desire to know and be known, to love and be loved, and so so many seek a counterfeit at the price of a few beers. True? I mean, the reason, you know, one of the sitcoms years ago was the sitcom, what, Cheers, right? And it was all centered around a bar. But what made that show such, such a success? Because they were really putting on display what everybody wants. And that's not necessarily a beer or alcohol. It's community. It's fellowship. Right? To go somewhere where you're known. And everybody knows you by name. They have this understanding of you. Right? And I won't, I'll bear you. I won't sing the song. I think I did that sometime back. But, right? So, listen. That's what the church needs to be. So, but I want you to understand, in order to have this fellowship... It's absolutely essential that we pay attention to about five different areas. And I want to hit these real quickly. I don't have time to expound on these in great depth, but I want to hit these areas real quickly. I want to talk to you about the basis of fellowship. I want to talk to you about the nature of fellowship. I want to talk to you about the danger of fellowship. I want to talk to you about the responsibilities of fellowship. And then I'm going to wrap it up with the results of fellowship. Okay? 
Now, I won't be real long with all of these, but I want you to stay with me, okay? I want you to jot these down. Let's dig in a little bit to the basis of fellowship. What is the basic foundation of true Christian fellowship? John tells us in verse number 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed, what we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Now, there's really one word that you could put there. Whatever you think about the basis of fellowship, there's really one word I want you to think about, and that is salvation. Okay? The basis, the foundation, if you will, of true Christian fellowship is going to be salvation in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? It's understanding who He is. John's saying we have seen Him, we have heard Him, we have spoke about Him, we have touched Him. This is the writer that laid His head on the bosom of Jesus' chest. This is the one that said He was loved most by all the, of all the apostles. That This is John the beloved of the Lord Jesus Christ. So John had an intimate connection and relationship with this one. And he's saying, if our joy is going to be full, in verse number 4, then we too must have this fellowship and this relationship with the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the basis of our fellowship is simply salvation. Now listen, there's a lot of phony fellowships out there today. But I want you to understand that true fellowship is not the need in our community It's not some kind of common goal for social ends. True fellowship is not that we're in the same denomination. True fellowship is not that we're even in any denomination. True fellowship is not some ecumenical movement. True fellowship is founded on the person of Jesus Christ and knowing Him as our personal Lord and Savior. Amen? So really, it's not about the name over the door. Just be sure it has fellowship over the door, right? Because that's really what it's about. Being in fellowship, being in communion, being in harmony with the Lord and one with another. You remember in Matthew's gospel, the guy came up to Jesus and said, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? So the second's likened to the first. They're both very important. We've got to have a relationship with the Lord. So the basis of our fellowship simply is salvation. He says in verse number 3, What we have seen and heard we also declare to you, so that you may have fellowship along with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Guys, you know something very interesting? Now get this concept. This is going to be a paradigm shift a little bit for you thinking this way. What is the purpose of the gospel? Why do we preach the gospel? Yes, so you don't have to die and go to hell. But I think there's more than that. Do you know what the outcome is? Do you know what the result is? And this is getting to my fifth point. Do you know what the result is of knowing Christ as your Savior? Is you now get to experience fellowship. Right? Because there is no fellowship together outside of Jesus. Right? I mean, we can be acquaintances. We can know each other. But we really can't have that true koinonia one with another, unless our foundation is centered around the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just say this to all the young couples out there and those that may be listening. That's why you're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Because you're putting together a relationship that's really, really, really going to be difficult to have this intimate, if nothing else, spiritual relationship together. Right? So be careful. When you're dating, the first question you need to ask Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Are you a born-again believer? Oh, no, no, that stuff's very important to me. If it's not, honey, you need to check out on that individual. 
Come on now, stay with me. Right? The basis of our foundation, the basis of our fellowship is to have a relationship with Christ. It's centered around the gospel. It's centered around fellowship. The goal of the proclamation of the gospel really is to create this fellowship. It's not to create an organization, but fellowship. The goal of the gospel is not to create a hierarchy, but fellowship. The goal of the gospel is not to create structure, but fellowship. So that fellowship that we have one with another is very important whenever we get down to it and really start thinking about it. So the basis of our fellowship, one word you can write down, salvation. Number two, I want you to look at the nature. What's the nature of our fellowship? Well, the one word that kind of defines that and that you can look at is unity. The nature of our fellowship is unity. Now, here we're talking about fellowship with the body of Christ. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and I don't have any scripture for that, Byron, but in Acts chapter 2, in verse number 42, it says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. This was that first century church. And it says they had this unity with each other. In one word, the nature of fellowship is unity. And then when you read verses 41 down through verse number 47 of Acts 2, it said, so those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers, and fear came upon everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together. And they held all things in common. And they sold their possessions and the property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. And every day, verse 46, and every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex. And they broke bread from house to house. And they ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. They had one thing in common. And it was fellowship around the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what brought unity to them. So the nature of fellowship is unity centered around the person of Jesus, okay? Third thing I want you to get out of this is the danger of fellowship. Now, there is a threat to our fellowship. Positionally, we are one in Jesus Christ. In practice, we've got to be intentional about that. But there is a danger to our fellowship. Our fellowship. There is a threat to our fellowship. And it's a little three-letter word called sin. Whenever sin enters into our life, whenever unconfessed, unrepented sin, a sinful mindset, a sinful attitude, a sinful action, a sinful motive, whenever those sins enter into our life, what's at risk and what is being threatened is the fellowship of the local church. Are you with me? The body of Christ. So we've got to pay attention to this sin. John is saying in in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 1, he's saying, I am writing to you that your joy may be full. Sin is deadly to the joy of fellowship. As a matter of fact, when a believer is in sin, what is the one thing he or she does not want to do? Talk to me. When someone is in sin, a believer, when they are in sin, what is the one thing they... Actually, there's two things. You may not be aware of the second, but I certainly am. I'll tell you what the first thing is. You know what it is? What's the one thing they do not want to do? When a believer is in sin, they know they're backslidden, they know they're away from God, they're living in sin. What is the one thing they do not want to do? 
go to church on Sunday morning, right? Right? You don't want to go there on Sunday morning. Why? Man, I'm in sin. I don't want to hang out with all them, right? Somebody may find out. And the second thing they don't want to do is meet the, the preacher or his family in the grocery store going down the aisle. Right? Now, you probably never experienced that. But I can't tell you how many people that were actively involved in the ministry of Victor Church. Listen, when you stay here as long as I have, we're going on 16 years being here as pastor. I've seen people come and go like crazy. It breaks my heart. And I've seen people that were on fire and sitting in the church. Next thing you know, they're out of church. And we run into them at the grocery store or at Walmart. And we see them from afar. And if they see us, it's... <laughs> I kid you not. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. They don't want to see us. Why? Because I'm, I'm the connection with the church. It's not that they have anything personally against me or our family. I don't believe. I really think it's spiritual. It's conviction, right? So really the danger, get this church, the danger of our fellowship is when we allow sin. That's why we're going to deal with this in 1 John 1, 9. We're going to deal with this. If we sin, we need to confess that sin, Right? Because sin is a threat to our fellowship. So we need to be sure that, that our sins are confessed. We need to do a daily inventory of our own personal life. In our relationship, in our, our, our personal time with the Lord, we need to have this reflection because sin is deadly to the joy of, fe- of fellowship. You know what usually leaves whenever a person is, whenever sin is creeping into your life as a believer? There's a few things that usually stop happening. One is just reading God's Word on a daily basis. You no longer really have that desire to jump in there like you once did. Another thing is prayer. You're really not praying like you once did. Another thing is just withdrawal. All of those are evidence and signs that sin is in the life. And it's a danger to fellowship. Now, there's not one of us in this room that hasn't experienced this from time to time. Understand what I'm saying? Are you okay with that? We've all experienced that. I've experienced that. There's been times when the last thing I want to do on a Sunday morning is preach. Come on, guys. I'm telling you like it is. Right? And I'll come out here and I'll put on a smile and I'll dress up and I'll try to bring you something. I'll walk out and say, God, I hated that. Seriously. I'm just trying to be honest with you. Because my life wasn't where it needs to be. And God digs in there and I have to repent of that thing and ask God to forgive me and pick up and move forward. Same thing. We all struggle. I don't want you to think of me some some hierarchy, spiritual, somebody, way up. Listen, if you put me on a pedestal, I promise you I'll fall off of it. We're all human. And we all struggle with this. So when you become aware that you're walking maybe not as close to the Lord as you once did, when you become aware that you're not as passionate about just reading God's Word and getting to know Him better, when you become aware that your prayer life is not where it used to be, when you become aware that you're not excited about being involved in church activities as you once were, then what you really need to be doing is looking at yourself. But so many people, you know what they do? They point to the preacher and they point to the staff and they point to people in the church and they say, well, it's their fault. No, it's not. It's my fault. Are you, are you with me? So I want you to see this one because this is a huge danger to that Christian fellowship. Well, what are some of the responsibilities? Number four, what are some of the responsibilities of fellowship? I'm going to hit these real lightly and I won't be able to expound on them a whole lot. But there is a responsibility. 
that every single one of us have whenever we're thinking about our fellowship. Now, here I've lined them out for you. That's a whole sermon in and of itself, so I can't expound on it too much, but I want you to get this. Confess. Whenever we realize that our sin is breaking our fellowship in practice, right, then what we need to do, James 5.16 says, confess your sins one to another. Really? Preacher? You want me to tell someone that I have sinned? Oh, I don't. God does. Right? That's what he says in his word. Right? Confess your sins. Confess your faults. Confess your shortcomings. Tell somebody that you're struggling in whatever area it is. What, what is that called? That's called fellowship. Are you with me? Well, well, they may judge me with shame on them because they have shortcomings as well. And they need to be telling someone. They should have an understanding heart. Hey, brother, sister, God bless you. I, I know exactly where you are. I, I'm, I may not personally have been struggling with that, but I've struggled with these other things. And let, let me confess mine. Now, let's, can we pray together? Can we help hold each other accountable? Can, can we grow? I need you to help me grow past mine, and, and you, I'll help you grow past yours, and let's do this thing together. Man, you know what you then have? Man, you have fellowship taking place, right? So some of the responsibilities of fellowship is confess our sins. The next thing is forgive. We're to forgive each other, Right? When someone's wronged you, we're to forgive. When someone confesses a sin, we need to be quick to forgive, right? The other thing is bear. We're to bear one another's burdens. Galatians chapter 6. Colossians 3 is to forgive. Bear. Galatians chapter 6. We're to bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's a responsibility of fellowship. When you see someone struggling along, it's our responsibility to come along and help bear that burden, right? If they allow us to. You're not always allowed to, right? Are you with me, church? Some responsibilities we have. Rebuke. If we see someone overtaken in a fault, we're to let them know they've been overtaken in a fault. We're to rebuke that sin. Not rebuke the individual, but rebuke the sin. Right? Are you staying with me, church? And then we're to restore. Our whole job is help keep folks in fellowship with the Lord and in fellowship with the church. So we all, every single one, you say, well, that's the preacher's job. No, that's all of our jobs. Right? The responsibility. And lastly, what is the result? And Tyler, you in the bank, come on. What is the result of fellowship? It's simply this, joy. The result of our fellowship is joy. Man, I love that. 1 John 1, 4. We are writing these things. John is telling us why he just wrote this. He just went through all this about who Jesus is. And then he says in verse number 3, And we've seen and heard so that you may have fellowship along with us. John is saying, if you haven't trusted in Jesus, you can't fellowship with us. And then he's saying, that indeed our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And then he says, verse 4, he wraps it up. We are writing these things. That's what he's saying. I have just penned these words so that our joy may be complete. Guys, I wonder, as a believer in Christ, have you ever lost your joy? You ever lost your joy? I have. I have, from time to time, lost my joy. I didn't say lost my salvation. I said lost my joy. Are you with me? Well, what do we need to do when we lose our joy? We need to pray and say, God, do an inventory in my life. Reveal the area in my life maybe that's not pleasing unto you. We need to pray and ask God to convict us.
expose that area in my life, God, that I need to repent of and ask for forgiveness of so that my joy may be full. So how is your fellowship right now between you and the Lord? Is it where it needs to be? If not, now's the time to take care of that. He's a gracious God. He's a loving God. He's a forgiving God. Right? And all we have to do is say, God, please forgive me. And you know what He's going to do? He's going to forgive you. And He's going to throw those sins in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. And He's going to restore into you the joy of the Lord. Right? And then ask ourselves, are we in good fellowship with His church? And guys, let's be careful in this area. Let's realize we all have responsibilities in this area. And from time to time, working together as a church family, just like in any family, there's going to be a few times when people get feelings hurt. Then just go to them and talk it out, right? In a loving way. Just to work on the fellowship together. We're going to get at odds from time to time. Families do. But that don't mean you quit being family. You just work through it. Say, oh, I said that. Forgive me. I, I did that. Man, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done this. I've, I can't tell you how many times I've had to go to people and say, oh, I'm, I am sorry. Will you forgive me? I failed to do this, and I failed to do that. Or I said that, or maybe I came across this way. I have to do that about every day, it seems like. Why? Because I want that fellowship to be where it needs to be. Right? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for 1 John 1, 4 where he says we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Father, help us to experience that joy every single day. And God, if we're living our life and not experiencing that joy, I just pray that that God, you would help us you would reveal the area in our life that maybe we need to ask for forgiveness in. And you would restore us to our first love, as it says in Revelation. And help us, God. Thank you for the wonderful fellowship that we have here at Victory Church. Thank you for the fellowship we have in Christ. Thank you for the cross that allows us to enter into that fellowship and relationship with you, O oh God. Help us to work on our fellowship. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.